is the Amadon Planet Podcast, episode 31. I'm your host, Joel Amadon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast, we are talking technology. Specifically, we are going to talk about the book, The TechWise Family, Everyday Steps for Putting Technology in Its Place by Andy Crouch. This has been a book that's been sitting on my bedside table for, gosh, I want to say in like maybe a year now. Had it partly read, and then global pandemic hit, and technology started becoming more and more important to day-to-day life with regards to teaching and living and connecting with family and friends. And so it became something like, you know what, maybe I should finish that book. And then in finishing the book, found a bunch of things within it that made me want to share it on the podcast. So we're going to do a little short one. I know in the uh, in recently we've had some pretty uh, long epic podcasts. I think we had the uh, two-hour one with Jen Wolf, which was so helpful for me as a, as a teacher and hopefully for other teachers out there and figuring out how to be more resilient in our teaching, how to use technology to facilitate interactions and, and build relationships and uh, do collaborative learning. And actually, that's going to be kind of kind of take a little bit center here in our conversation today about this book. But um, again, we're trying to be a quick hitter. It's just going to be a solo pod with me. I'm just so thankful for, uh, uh, for all of you out there who are listening to the podcast. We've had more downloads than ever. Um, thankful for all the support that people are giving the good feedback i'm getting through emails and texts and then also just those of you out there that are rating and reviewing um every time you do that that makes the podcast a little bit more present to those out there that are seeking to find similar content so if you haven't yet head into your uh wherever you get podcasts and either follow or subscribe whatever you do so that when new episodes come out they'll come straight to you one that gets it to you but two that also again makes it uh, more present to others that are looking for similar content and then the rating and reviewing again similar same thing is that just makes it more present to others so thank you for all that we're going to dive into this book and again a little bit of a quick hitter but before we do um, just a quick disclaimer, in no way will I be able to communicate the whole value of the book. And even if I did, it would be from my perspective. In other words, if you like what you hear, go get the book for yourself. Links to purchase the book can be found at AmazonPlanet.com forward slash episode 31. Or seek it out wherever you buy high quality books like this one. And I'm pretty sure I got this book at Square Books. And so in this day and age, we should support our local businesses. And if you got a local bookseller who's uh, as good as Square Books here in Oxford, Mississippi, I would go support them. And if even if they don't have it on their shelves, go ask. They could probably order it for you. So, all right, let's dive in. Again, the TechWise family, Everyday Steps for Putting Technology in Its Proper Place by Andy Crouch. Um, and this this book has a, uh, a spiritual foundation. And he's talking about how to put... Um, uh, family and faith uh, at the center of life and thinking about how does uh, what's technology's role and all that. So that is like the foundation of this book. And it, and we'll talk more about that later um, in just in one thing that we'll, uh, well, uh, you'll see, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit later, but just know that that is the intention, but still there's lessons, uh, there is lessons to be learned in here in thinking about how does Andy Crouch, who's someone who kind of does a lot with technology, think about um think about it in its role within the family and how the intention that he and uh, and his family put into thinking about where does technology fit into their life and how do they um, use it to not just interact with the world, but actually intera- enhance their interactions with each other, okay? And so that, that's going to come out as we, we dive in, but there's some general principles that they've outlined in the book, and we'll go through those in just a second, that like these uh, commitments that he's put out there, but also he's got a lot of um, 
research that's been put in through infographics throughout the book, which is for a tiny book, there's a lot of information, a lot of stuff uh, from survey data that they've got um, from the Barna, I think Barna Institute. Anyway, so it's all in there. And, and again, I think there's some, some good gems in here for thinking about how do we teach better because that's the purpose of this podcast, to lead people to love others t- through teaching and to figure out how to teach better. And so we're going to use some of these learnings that are designed for family, but we'll think about how do we, how do we be the tech-wise teacher, okay? So we're going to go through the categories. The first set of categories is the high five, all right? And so with the high five, oh, first, I, I do want to go through these commitments. And on page 41 in the book, they've listed these commitments. And you'll see how kind of some of my high fives are built off some of these commitments. But I'm going to read through them again. The, the name of the book is TechWise Family. So a lot of these are around family and faith. And so I'm going to read through them. And then we'll, we'll talk about applying them. And you'll, you'll hear a lot about them through my high five. But first of all, here are the 10 TechWise commitments from Andy Crouch on page 41 of the book. Uh, number one, we develop wisdom and courage together as a family. Number two, we want to create more than we consume. Number three, we are designed for a rhythm of work and rest. Number four, we wake up before our devices do and they go to bed before we do. Number five, we aim for no screens before double digits at school and at home. It's kind of tough nowadays, but anyway. Number six, we use screens for a purpose, and we use them together rather than using them aimlessly and alone. Number seven, car time is conversation time. Number eight, uh, spouses have one another's passwords, and parents have total access to children's devices. Number nine, we learn to sing together rather than letting recorded and amplified music take over our lives and worship. Number 10, we show up in person for the big events of life. Okay? And so those are the 10 commitments and those are the, uh, within the book. And they kind of use those as, as guidelines for the chapters that you go through. And I thought some of these really applied to, um, and then also thinking about how they structure their lives, how they set up like this ecosystem that they uh, interact with in their family and, and thinking really about these, um, these decisions and being intentional with technology. And so, again, using those commitments, using some of the ways that they structured the book, here are my my big learnings, my, my high five for this book. So one thing I saw was this idea of a center. So in that commitments, uh, I think commitment number one, nope, number, number two, talked about the center of the home, okay? And that really got me thinking about some things that I would talk about within my teaching. It's like, what's the center of our teaching, right? And you go to a classroom and you look at it. And even in a classroom, a completely empty classroom, you go in and look at it and you can kind of see what's important. And I know like, um, you know, it, it place where I teach, if you go into like, and, and I'm a, I was a math, high school math teacher, but if you go in and look at one of the math classrooms at the place where I teach, you'll see that there are desks in rows and columns and they're all pointed at the board. Okay. So what's most important is what's on the board or who's writing on the board. Right. And you can kind of see that the setup, the center of that classroom is that board and what's being put on there. Right. Same thing goes for other classrooms. If it's an auditorium, if it's like some sort of screen up and you can kind of see, all right, what's most important versus if you go to, you know, like the dining room, you can see what's most important is people facing each other at a table. Right. And so what is the center? And you think about what's the center of our homes and you can think a lot of people, the center of their homes is a television in the middle of the home, right? Um, versus, you know, they would make connections to the olden days. It would be the, the, you know, the fireplace or the hearth or something like that where, or the, and, and chairs would be 
positioned together. So you're actually facing each other. And so it's like the most important thing is that the facing each other, the relationships within there. So you can kind of see within the, in that space, what is most important. And so thinking about that from a, uh, a teaching perspective, well, what does that look like in a face-to-face classroom? How do we position tables so that people are facing together? Yes, they can still see a board, but the, the students are facing each other and not facing the front, right? And so saying what's most important is these interactions that they're going to have as learners, right? That that's the most important. That is at the center of their experience in the classroom or, or in, the, in the teaching and so thinking about that right now and, and, and using nothing, you know, I'm, I'm teaching remote and thinking about that. How do I make sure that relationships at their center? And I'm not there yet in thinking that I have the answers, but trying to think like, how do I make sure that the, the, you know, that small groups and interactions with each other are most important, right? So trying to structure as much uh, a small group time. So using some of the resources that I got from Jen Wolf and look at that from episode uh, 29, I believe, um, where you know she's showing how we can use Google Slides as a facilitator of interactions. And again, I'm using those, so thanks again to Jen. But how do we make sure that the relationships in our classroom are at the center, right? Like, how do we position that? How do we make sure that that is known, that those relationships, that our relationships are at center? How do we do as much as we can to build relationships versus just using technology as something glorified, a glorified lecture, right? So I'm recording a lecture and you can hear it and it's just the same as if we were face-to-face in some big lecture hall on campus or in a classroom. Um, so what is the center of my teaching? That, that was one thing I learned from this. Another thing was about um, using technology to create versus consume. I mean, I think too often, you know, and I've been stuck here in, in quarantine at times and just found myself plopped down on the couch, open up the whatever the last opened uh, social media app was. And just all of a sudden, like 15 minutes is gone. I've just sat there scrolling, scrolling, liking, you know, commenting, whatever, but not creating. I'm consuming. Right. Um, and, you know, same thing for watching shows and movies like it's all good. It, it, there's some good stuff that's out there to consume and trying to be educated and stuff like that. But also how am I thinking about creating, right? Again, going back to what's the center of our classroom. Is it about consuming and just, you know, consuming readings and things like that, or about using the technology to create something, okay? Create uh, solutions to problems, create a video to share your learning, create um, reactions to things that you did consume, right? So there's some sort of creation aspect. So creating versus consuming, you know, using, uh, uh, I was so happy, <laughs> my, uh, my son got a, uh, they, the school uh, gave them devices in order to bring home. And I think it's probably in, in case that there's another time where the classrooms shut down, that they're prepared for that. Um, but anyway, he was using the, um, one of these audio, uh, editing software that was concluded on the device to record his voice and make loops and change the tone of it and do something like that. And he was cracking himself up. He was cracking me up. He was, you know, making him, his voice sound like my voice and then making it sound really high, like a chipmunk and stuff like that. I don't know, the, the, the fake chipmunks that you see in the movies. But anyway, but using that as a creation tool rather than a consuming tool. And how do we, again, how do we, are we using these things to create things? And I think there's things out there like Flipgrid and then, you know, there is various things that you can do with social media, with YouTube videos and things like that. The creation side of it versus just the consuming side. And how do we at least put that in balance? And so thinking about that from a side that we want to create versus just consume. Um, another thing learning is um, taking the reins 
uh, of technology and being intentional. A lot of the things that, you know, need some of the commitments in here, they're being very intentional with uh, technology and thinking like, when does it have a place in the home? When are we going to let it be on? When are we going to turn it off? When are we going to allow our children to access it? And they said, no technology before double digits. Well, can't really avoid that now, but with, with some of our uh, schooling situations, but you can be intentional outside of those schooling in places and thinking about how are they going to do homework? Do they have to do it on a screen or can they print something off so they can do it by hand? Um, vice versa and, and things like that. So, thinking about how are we going to take the reins of our technology and thinking like, you know, when I hear ringtones going off or I see notifications on a screen or something like that, like that's a, that's a, how can I say that that is a choice that I've made that to get that notification? So, you know, one of the things I'll talk about with my students is when we show up and be good to my class, and that's like kind of a mantra, show up and be good. If we're going to show up and be present, how do we do that? How are we going to do that with our devices? Like if I have a ping coming on my, my watch, is it because I'm getting, you know, a text message or is it because there's a new video to watch or is it because there's a new album on Spotify? Like, am I totally in control of all the notifications that I'm receiving on my both uh, computer, my iPad, my phone, my watch, whatever it is? Like, am I taking control of those notifications? Do I, have I intentionally decided like that's what I want to be notified about versus not? Or also when am I going to turn it off, turn it on and turn it off? What are the defaults that I have put out there for myself? Like, did I plug in my charger right next to my bed? Do, is that what I want? Or is it, you know, it, did I just think, well, that's where it's supposed to go? All those decisions, when you see the intention that they have behind it, where you know the the devices go to bed before they do, and they um, they try to even even with technology, even like lights, they try to use a lot of candlelight at sometimes at dinner time. Like in the in the book, they get pretty extreme, but still thinking intentionally: Do I want to have this? How is technology going to? interact with my life and making decisions. So every time that it is in their life, it's intentionally there. It's not just there because it is. We're not just turning on music or turning on a, um, uh, a TV show just because we just sat down on the couch, right? And so some of those sorts of things that we're making. So how are we taking the reins of our technology? That's something else that I learned. Um, and going right along with that is uh, being present. Being completely present, that last commitment, that commitment number 10, we show up in person for the big events of life. And yeah, it's, I mean, right now we might need to use technology to do that, but I'm intentionally using it. Or if we need to be in present, so like thinking about anything that we can right now, <laughs> I think we're not going to overlook the ability to be present at something. And so, you know, if it is, I know in Mississippi, they're still playing football games, but there's two tickets that are given to each player. And like to know that, hey, if my senior is playing and this is the last time they play and who knows when football can be shot, I better be there and be present for that game so I can see them play. Um, or if there's, you know, uh, we're, we're being able to possibly use technology to show up at places that we haven't shown up before. If there's a, you know, there's um, uh, dance recitals that are now being held virtually, like, and it's for my niece who's across the country. Maybe it's a chance to actually show up to that and be present using technology. I know that Crouch talked about it being present, like physically, but if we can't do that, how can we actually be intentional in using technology to do that? So it kind of, kind of pushing a little bit on the commitment there. But I think that there is something about being able to be present in other places uh, and, and using it 
uh, as something. But knowing also that there probably is a need for my, my students in general to see me in person. And so thinking about how could we do that? Maybe it's about on Fridays going and being uh, here at the University of Mississippi. We have a large uh, uh, outdoor space called the Grove. And maybe it's about bringing, uh, you know, a chair out to the Grove and, and being present there for some office hours and saying, hey, if you want to come and be in, be in person, we can do that. And so there's something is there is something important about that physical presence with somebody at a social distance, of course. But thinking about how do we how do we take advantage of the spaces that we can be in at this point in time and where we're at in the country with regards to the global pandemic uh, and different regulations that are happening? How can we, how can we um, be present physically in places and, and, and embrace those times in order to uh, build those relationships face-to-face uh, because -face? They're, they're, they're hard to come by right now? Um, Final learning I thought of was the um, embracing analog. <laughs> I'm finding that I I'm really enjoying some things that I, I know um, I used to try to do all electronically. I thought it was it was better to do it electronically and don't just automatically think that electronic is better. So embracing analog where you can. So I'm looking at my, uh, my shelf in this uh, uh, office closet space that I've built since the pandemic and I look at all these books on my shelf and I'm like I really enjoy physical books I enjoy writing in books the book that I'm reviewing right now I've written in and, and things like that I I enjoy that that's it's a way I process uh, a process a book is doing that and so embracing analog where you can I also I have a planner I have a physical planner that it's a basically a blank notebook and I do the bullet journal method and I talk about that in one of the podcast episodes talking about getting things done and uh um, while well, social distancing, I believe that's the, the name of the podcast. We'll link to it in the show notes. Anyway, but I do a bullet journal, and uh, the bullet journal is, a, again, a, a plain notebook that I, I, I found it's the one thing I can stick to uh, of all the different like technologies and things because they're not sitting out in front of me, and whenever I open up a device, I get you know, distracted by a document that's open or the email that's open or whatever. Like this, it's like when I open it, I'm just there. I'm there in my planner, and I'm laying out my goals for the day, for the week, for the year. I got my budget in there. I got everything in there that I need in order to focus myself, and I know that whatever that first page is, I know that there's not going to be another page that's going to ding or anything, right? I am focused on the page I am at. So if it's my notes right now that I have for this podcast – or whatever, like that's not going to be distracting. Um, it's going to be what I need at that point in time. I'm making a decision to be on the page that I'm at, and I'm not being distracted by anything else. Um, same thing goes for her, and just another thing that I've gotten into last year is vinyl records. Okay, and like well, vinyl records. Why don't you just use Spotify? Yes, I do have Spotify, but vinyl records. I mean, you're really making a choice about what you're going to listen to, and you want to listen to how an artist has planned out. A, a sequence of songs and like there is something to holding it and knowing that there's this um, defined amount of space on this you know piece of well vinyl and that there that there's only so much uh, space for them to put a song and that they've made specific choices about what is and what is not on this side of the record and that side of the record and it's it's been pretty fascinating I, I've loved it I've loved you know fine <laughs> it's kind of fun to go digging around uh, antique stores and things and finding things like that. But to know that there is something about analog that's kind of 
intriguing and there is something about the physical nature of it and thinking like how do we making sure that our kids are having that time too so how are we using whiteboards you know in spaces like that how are we uh, letting them use paper and then not just ignoring the technology but thinking about how can we then use technology to enhance the use of analog right and so you know one way to use technology for um in, in uh, vinyl records is you could have a Bluetooth record player, right? So you can bring that speaker that's connected to the uh, record player wherever you're at in the house. That's one way. Uh, and some people might think, well, you're losing the whole purpose of analog. No, you still get the sequence of, still, still getting the sequence of songs. But also thinking like, you know, my son would rather uh, write on a piece of paper rather than writing or typing on an iPad. Right. And so if he can write or type on some piece of scratch paper or a whiteboard and we can then use technology to take a picture and upload that to whatever his, uh, you know, uh, classroom management system is like, why not allow them to do that? Give people the the experiences that they want or if they'd rather physically manipulate something and we could take a video in order then to upload it into classroom management system or whatever it is. How can we use technology to enhance those analog experiences? Because there is something about concrete, you know, specifically thinking about mathematics, like about the concrete movement of things versus sliding things around on a screen, like actually picking up counters or beans or something like to physically manipulate a math problem versus, you know, again, just writing out in numerals or whatever or drawing it. There is something there. So how can we use technology to enhance those analog experiences? And so, I know that's one thing I thought about in here. If we're going to use it, we could use it as a creation piece and to enhance analog experiences rather than um, just strictly being tied to technology. How do we use technology to enhance some of these ex physical experiences that would make teaching better, make learning better for our students? So those are my high five. And so then to think about what, what would be, uh, what would I have done differently or have I, have I done differently having read the book? One, well, I mean, in this, this book, specifically thinking about the family side and we'll tie it into the teaching side. The family side is like trying to do more creation things. And so for me, it's about, been about like during the pandemic here, it's been about building stuff. So building this office or, you know, making spaces in our backyard a little bit more pleasant given we, you know, couldn't really go anywhere. Also, um, started picking up instruments, like uh, got some advice from Alex Crosby and, and Matthew Mifflin about like, hey, if I want to buy a guitar, what would it be nice given, again, lots of time at home and, and maybe some extra funds from not going on vacation. Hey, I'd like to pick up a guitar. I always wanted to do that. All right. How do you do that? And so doing that, you know, creation of music and things like that. And then seeing my kids doing that, too, because the, these instruments are around, lying around. This has been kind of awesome. But then thinking about it from a, uh, a teaching perspective, how have I taken the learnings from these books and kind of uh, either thought about what would I have done differently? I mean, something I have done and, and, and just didn't have the words behind it and why it was important is about structuring my classroom so kids are facing towards each other rather than towards the board. And it was a small thing, but just I remember that would be important. Like if I was going to work in collaborative groups and it was something when I started as a teacher, uh, I started in this curriculum called Core Plus at, when I was at Sauk Prairie High School. And it was an amazing curriculum, but it was way different from anything I'd ever taught before. It's like 
they focused everything on groups and it wasn't that traditional like hey here's the the concept for today I'm going to well first I would probably answer questions on homework then I'm going to show this I'm go, I'm going to demonstrate how we do this new procedure on the board we're going to do some examples together I'll probably maybe have a couple kids come up if I'm being feeling crazy come up and try them out too and then I'll give you you know 20 problems you're doing the odds in the back of the book you know answers in the back of the book sort of thing like that was how I learned math and that's kind of how I was prepared to teach and then doing core plus, it was all group work where they were given these kind of messy problems without this known solution path. And they had to like figure them out together. And I couldn't just go in and, and show them how to do it because I'd be stealing the learning from them. And it was like this whole new idea. And what was neat is seeing how teachers around this department who had been implementing this uh, curriculum for a while, they had students facing each other. And then they would, if they were going to look up at the board, they had to like look to the side because they would face them towards each other. And then like the, um, you know, so they'd be facing each other. And then if they turned like to the left or to the right, they could then look up at the board. It was, I mean, it was just a small thing, but it was like mine, like, wait a second, I'm not the most important thing in the room. And it was like, and, and it was like, as soon as you say something like that, it's like, no you're not the most important, you as a teacher are not the most important. The most important person in the room is the student. Because if you're just, you could, you know, if the way that I was describing teaching before, I could do that on my own in an empty classroom and no one's learning anything. And that could be the same exact thing if the classroom was full, like no one could be learning anything. If it's just me doing it, but the most important person is the student and whether or not they are learning or understanding or taking up what is being, what is, uh, being presented either through the text or through their, you know, collaborative group work, whatever, like they are the most important. And so having them face each other and saying like, no, 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 this, this interaction, you all learning together is the most important. And so something that I started right away, um, just because that was what everyone else was doing. It was they were facing their tables together and then they would look to the side to look up to the board. So I did the same thing for my students and it made, you know, on surface, it made sense. Like, oh, they could all see the board at the same time, even though they're facing together. Okay, that, that works. But, like, it didn't take until much later to see, like, there's some serious intention there. And to really think about that way with a lot of things, about what is the intention behind things. And, and so, like, that started one thing, like, okay, this collaboration, this interaction of students is the most important. All right, so now how do we put that? So now let's, let's, name, let's you know, I would have them name their groups. Um, they would, you know, come up with an action word and then like an animal name. And so there was like uh, the skipping unicorns and the, uh, uh, the rock and sloths. I remember that was the one. The talking gatos was another one. And so all sorts of different, um, different names for these groups. And then I had, you know, someone make a poster and I'd put the posters up in the back wall. Well, then again, the most important thing was the group, right? And so if one person made the poster, that wasn't really representative of the group. It was representative of one person in the group's artistic work and yes they did come up with a name for the group on their own or as together but then thinking okay how do we can make this even better so then i had to make you know shields and so each of them took a section of the shield and decorated it, and we put those together and that would be um representative of the group that we'd put on the back of the room and so each class period was represented by a, a number of shields on the back of my back wall of my classroom and i really it was one of those things that kept this idea of what was at the center kind of kept going. And now, you know, hearing Andy Crouch kind of talk about that with regards to a family, thinking like, what is at the center? And so 
really thinking intentionally about this semester and how am I making the relationships and the interactions with students at the center of my teaching. I'm trying, trying. We're doing some some different things. We're using base groups on one day of the week where they're interacting with each other as they're going through a problem. I'm teaching teaching elementary math teachers. So it's an elementary math methods classroom. So we're doing some groups around having them experience a problem that I'm teaching to them. So experience them as like students. So we're doing that on one day of the week. And so having them do that in breakout rooms and small groups and having them interact with each other using different group roles. And then on Thursday, they're having them teach each other when one person assumes the role of a teacher. So slightly different groups. One person acts as a teacher and they're teaching everyone else in that group. So four other students within breakout rooms. And we're trying that. And we're trying to do as much as we can using these two different groups on these different days and seeing how we can put those interactions at the center. I don't know if I'm succeeding yet. We'll figure it out. We're only two weeks in, but that's, I think, something that has come back. And then, like, Andy Crouch gave me some words to think about how do, how do I go about doing that, but then seeing that that had some roots into, in my teaching a while ago and still wanting to reinforce it, and he's given me the motivation and kind of the, the verbiage behind it in order to keep going with it. All right. What would be the major critique of this book? I guess one thing that I would put out there is like, yes, there is a lot on, you know, putting faith and family at the center of your, um, uh, of your relationship with technology. Like how to, rather than putting technology at the center, how do we put faith and family? So if, you know, some people that, you know, might not have a relationship, a faith relationship, um, or a faith part of their life that they put at the center, they might ignore some of the learnings in this book, but I still think, um, even if you're not there in your faith ex- faith walk, it's still a valuable book. I still think there's some good things with the, the, the research, the insights, the statistics that are located in it, and some of just the principles that he's laid out. They're well thought out, you know, to be intentional with this stuff. I think that's, um, uh, I, I think there's something to be gained. So that, I guess that could be a, a critique. Okay. All right. And we're, we're flying along here. All right, so sum it up in seven. Again, this is the um, playoff of Michael Pollan's book in Defense of Food, where he said, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. So coming up with seven words that uh, summarizes the, the learnings, uh, sum up, that sums up this book. Um, and so I, th- I, got, I got less than seven. I'll tell you this. Being tech-wise means being intentional. Being tech-wise means being intentional. That's five words. I think that's, I think that's pretty... When I think about this book, I think about the intentionality that they have around technology. There's so much in society right now that's like, here's how we use technology. Here's how we consume things that are prov- provided out there. And like we're being, you know, like in social media and things like we're just being fed things and we are the product, right? (laughs) We are the product that's being sold. And so to be as intentional as we can with technology is, I think it is, is the biggest learning that I can take away uh, from this book. All right. So there we go. The tech wise family by Andy Crouch, everyday steps for putting technology in its proper place. Quick one, quick hitter. Just wanted to put it out there because I think there's some Good learnings to be had. If you want to get the book, again, there'll be uh, links within the show notes. But again, go to your local bookseller and pick it up if you want, if you're intrigued more. I know I only captured a very small slice of it. There's lots of good um, stories from how they do things. I mean, 
they had some pretty good ideas about technology and, and like, you know, one of the things about defaults is like, where do you put your TV? Is it in the center of your home or is it in the closet? Not even plugged in. So you have to really be intentional about wanting to watch TV. And so some of those, that's just one example of some of the things that they do. And so you get kind of a, a slice of life uh, pic, uh, picture when you get this book. So, all right, that's about it. So that's all I have for this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. Show notes for the podcast can be found at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 31. Can't believe we're at 31. Unbelievable. If you're looking for ways to support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribe to the Amazon Planet download containing teaching resources, updates from Amazon Planet. We put a lot of stuff out there with regards to Jen Wolf's podcast because it's um, just thought, even though it was two hours, there was lots in there with regards to helping teachers be a little bit more resilient and thinking about how they could use technology. You can follow at Amazon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amazon Planet Facebook page. Check out the Amazon Planet store or Amazon Planet bookshop. Links in the footer at AmazonPlanet.com where you purchase support the production costs of the podcast. We actually have masks now. Um, be the good masks. So if you're looking for those, they're, they're there as well. I got, I ordered, I ordered some myself. So uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. Thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. And again, if uh, the last episode of the podcast, episode 30, featured Matt Mifflin and his uh, single Each Day is out there on Spotify and wherever else you find music. So go take a look. You'll have more music coming out in the very near future. Very near future. And finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. 